Truth Espresso, episode 55. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso, to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> and now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. <sighs> this is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Well, hello and welcome to Truth Espresso. This is your host, Daniel Minnick. And if you're just tuning in to this episode, we are continuing a series discussing the topic of abortion. And I have had the privilege of having my lovely wife, Chelsea, as a co-host for these episodes. And we've really dealt with the question, what is the unborn? We've dealt with arguments that are used to defend abortion, and we've answered all of those. We even got into topics related to racism as we compare uh, social problems and challenges with philosophical thinking as it relates to the value of human life and that all human lives are equal and that their lives are valuable because they are created in the image of God. And so that's what we want to continue to do as we address various challenges brought forth from people who defend abortion. And the last episode was about philosophical arguments, basically one thought experiment by Judith Jarvis Thompson called the unconscious violinist. And then we also dealt with a court case that is often used McFall versus Shimp to explain that because one has a right to refuse care for someone else because of bodily autonomy that therefore abortion is allegedly allowed for any reason whatsoever and we dealt with that to show that it's not the same. You can't compare a bone marrow transplant and a surgery to abortion as an act intending to kill and to take a life from someone who doesn't demand you to undergo a surgery to save their life. And although those are minute points of differences, we talked about that the real reason for abortion being wrong is, of course, a moral decision. It's a moral issue, and God's law says that we should not kill an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and Genesis 9 says that whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. And so this is the real issue. And so we mentioned that we were going to get into topics related to the negative effects of abortion and close up the series to talk about the gospel as the ultimate solution to abortion and how the gospel changes lives and changes people's minds about the subject of abortion. But I decided before we got into this, I ran across another thought experiment, and I figured that this had to be dealt with because there was a lot of media hoopla about it. It's from 2017, and so it's a few years old, but at the time, it was considered one of those challenges that shuts down the abortion debate. And so here to discuss this with me, Shutting down the pro-life position? 
is my wife, Chelsea. And so, Chelsea, welcome back once again to Truth Espresso. Hi, and thank you for having me again. And so, Chelsea, I want to read some of these headlines and, and see what you think about them. So, from theindependent.co.uk, this is a British article entitled, Man's Viral Pro-Choice Question Shuts Down the Anti-Abortion Argument. And then there's one from crooksandliars.com entitled, Sci-Fi Author Shuts Down Anti-Abortion Activists with the One Question None of Them Will Answer. From ScaryMommy.com, there's an article entitled, Man Shuts Down Anti-Abortion Argument by Asking One Question. From Good.is, or IS, there is an article entitled, This Man Shuts Down the Most Popular Anti-Abortion Stance with One Simple Question, and subtitled, Given a Very Simple Choice, People... From BoardPanda.com, an article entitled, This Man Asked a Simple Question Online That Shut Down the Whole Anti-Abortion Argument. From EliteReaders.com, an article entitled, Man Shuts Down All Anti-Abortion Arguments with One Simple Question. They definitely did not see that coming. From AWorkStation.com, Man shuts down anti-abortion argument with one simple question. From rearfront.com, this man shuts down anti-abortion argument by asking one legit question. And finally, endofthenet.org, an article called Man shuts down anti-abortion argument by asking one question. And so, I think this is a challenge that merits being addressed. And so, Chelsea, are you ready to be shot down by this argument? (laughs) We'll see about that. And so, to answer your curiosity, you're wondering about who is this who, according to one of these articles, shuts down all anti-abortion arguments with his one simple question. This sci-fi writer happens to be a guy by the name of Patrick S. Tomlinson on Twitter, and his Twitter handle is Stealthy Geek. And Patrick Tomlinson wrote a series of tweets on Twitter on October 16th, 2017, and he claimed that his challenge on Twitter ends the debate in favor of abortion. So are you ready to be ended? Are you ready for our position to be over and the pro-abortion position to triumph throughout all time? So let's see what Patrick Tomlinson said in his tweets. His first tweet, Whenever abortion comes up, I have a question I've been asking for 10 years now of the quote-unquote life begins at conception crowd. In 10 years, no one has ever answered it honestly, unquote. So, Chelsea, do you think we can answer him honestly if no one has? Yes, I'm up for the challenge. Second tweet. It's a simple scenario with two outcomes. No one ever wants to pick one because the correct answer destroys their argument. And there is a correct answer, which is why the pro-life crowd hates the question, unquote. (laughs) Are you ready to be asked a question that we're just going to 
hate because the correct answer destroys our position. Sure. Tweet number three. Here it is. You're in a fertility clinic. Why isn't important. The fire alarm goes off. You run for the exit. As you run down this hallway, you hear a child screaming from behind a door. You throw open the door and find a five-year-old child crying for help, unquote. Now, of course, what's interesting is, you know, you just have to ask the question. I know Mr. Tomlin said why you're in the fertility clinic isn't important, but another obvious question is why is a lonely five-year-old child in a fertility clinic? I know why isn't important, so we need to humor Mr. Tomlinson as we address his series of tweets. Tweet number four. They're in one corner of the room. In the other corner, you spot a frozen container labeled 1,000 Viable Human Embryos. Chelsea, does that sound like what you'd find in a fertility clinic? (laughs) Just for the fun of it. Do they usually have a container with a label that says 1,000 Viable Human Embryos? (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay, but we can humor him for the sake of this thought experiment. Sure. Continuing on. The smoke is rising. You start to choke. You know you can grab one or the other, but not both, before you succumb to smoke inhalation and die saving no one. So are we ready to save one or the other? We can't die trying to save both. That's not an option. But let's continue on. In tweet number five, continuing on, quote, Do you A, save the child? Or B, save the thousand embryos. There is no C. C means you all die, unquote. (laughs) So Tomlinson is forcing us, you know, we can't come up with scenarios, say, I brought these tools with me that would somehow result in saving both. Or, hey, I've got a mask that I can put on that will allow me to survive the smoke long enough to grab both of them. You know, he won't allow that. You know, so this isn't intended to be a realistic scenario. This is intended to be a thought experiment. And so details, notwithstanding, that don't reflect anything even remotely realistic, we can humor Mr. Tomlinson further by reading his next tweets. Number six, quote, In a decade of arguing with anti-abortion people about the definition of human life, I have never gotten a single straight A or B answer to this question, and I never will, unquote. That's quite a challenge there to claim that he has never gotten a straight answer and he never will. So Chelsea, do you think if we just publish this podcast episode that that would suffice to satisfy Mr. Tomlinson? Maybe we can give a straight answer. (laughs) Do you think you can give a straight answer, babe? No, um, I think what we will be discussing during the rest of this podcast are the many flaws in this argument that he presents. So I don't think there is a straightforward (laughs) answer to it. So according to Tomlinson, you must pick either A or B. And he thinks that no pro-lifer will pick one of these two choices. So let's continue on to tweet number seven, quote, They will never answer honestly because we all instinctively understand the right answer is A. 
Did you know that, babe? The right answer is A, save the child, not B, save the thousand viable human embryos. <laughs> Would you have picked A or B, do you think? Note that in his view, that's the right answer. But people have, I've read them, some have picked A, some have picked B. And I think people can have their reasons for picking either one of them and still hold the same position. So what do you think you would pick, babe? <laughs> so given his very stringent rules about which one to pick, I would most likely pick A. And picking A, I would say that that does not change the value or the humanness of the embryos. But we'll get into more discussion, I think, about why this argument is totally ridiculous, too. So I'll just pick A for now. And we'll see if you change your mind or stick with A, because according to Tomlinson, A is the correct answer. But also, according to Tomlinson, pro-lifers don't want to pick A. They know it's the correct answer, but they know, according to him, that it will refute their position. So let's continue his tweet number seven. A human child is worth more than a thousand embryos, or ten thousand, or a million, because they are not the same, not morally, not ethically, not biologically, unquote. And now to finish up, let me read the rest of Tomlinson's tweets. Number eight, quote, This question absolutely eviscerates their arguments, and their refusal to answer confirms that they know it to be true. Well, I guess we had a 100% pro-lifer not refuse to answer and pick A, which Mr. Tomlinson says is the correct answer. So say we have someone who's 100% pro-life pick A and someone Someone who is pro-abortion say that A is the correct answer. So, hey, we agree with him on something there. So, does that satisfy Mr. Tomlinson? Well, of course not. He doesn't want to be satisfied. So, he says, this question absolutely eviscerates their arguments, and their refusal to answer confirms that they know it to be true. No one anywhere actually believes an embryo is equivalent to a child. That person does not exist. They are lying to you, unquote. Tweet number nine of ten. Here we go. Quote, they are lying to you to try and evoke an emotional response, a paternal response using false equivalency. No one believes life begins at conception. I want you to keep that in mind. No one believes embryos are babies or children. Those who claim to are trying to manipulate you so they can control women, unquote. Of course, we've heard this argument over and over again that pro-lifers are all about controlling women. And finally, tweet number 10, quote, Don't let them. Use this question to call them out. Reveal them for what they are. Demand they answer your question. And when they don't, slap that big old scarlet P of the patriarchy on them. The end, unquote. 
And so Mr. Tomlinson is doing victory laps with his series of 10 tweets that he thinks finally solved the abortion debate. And of course, we who are 100% pro-life, we believe that the argument, the question, what is the unborn, solves the debate anyway and has solved it. But the pro-abortion position refuses to acknowledge this, but Mr. Tomlinson thinks his series of 10 tweets was more clever, so original, and so creative that it took Patrick Tomlinson in 2017 finally to put this debate to rest and finally go on with the freedom to have abortions because all the scientists, all the biologists, and all the philosophers somehow just couldn't really argue with those nasty pro-life members of the patriarchy who want to control women. And they couldn't argue with those arguments that were clear clearly masked to control women, and somehow they couldn't do it. But Patrick Tomlinson has finally won the day, yay, abortion on demand, because of a thought experiment. So after we read those tweets from Patrick Tomlinson, sci-fi writer, Chelsea, what do you think? Do you think that he put us in our place, that he, according to all those headlines I read, shut down anti-abortion arguments? Wow, that's a loaded question. (laughs) Um, No, I do not think that his argument here shuts down any pro-life position. And I think it just goes to show that people that want abortion services to be available will come up with any type of scenario or any line of reasoning to try and force the pro-life movement to back down. For example, in his scenario, it is extremely fictitious. I know that you talked about abortion and like the fiction writer in that series um, earlier. Abortion fiction series that was John Irving. Yeah. The abortion fiction writer who wrote The Cider House Rules and he got a Maggie Award from Planned Parenthood. Yes, that one. Yes. So it's just interesting that these fiction writers, or in Tomlinson's case, a comedian too, are trying to come up with a scenario that supposedly proves that human life does not begin at conception. And it's interesting that there are medical journals, there are medical textbooks, God's word, most importantly, shows that human life does begin at conception. So based on science, just to name a couple of embryology books that state human life begins at the point of fertilization where the union of the sperm and the ovum come together, Dr. Bradley Patton and Dr. Keith Moore in their embryology books have this statement. Dr. Bradley Patton, to quote him exactly, he says that, quote, fertilization marks the initiation of the life of a new individual, unquote. And we can see throughout the Bible, um, Psalms 139 is probably the most well-known and beautiful description of how God created this 
amazing new life inside the mother's womb. Even before we had technology to see what was going on, you have this description of how God made this new individual. And we've proven how every life is valuable and every life is a human life based on God's word and that we are created in God's image. So with all of that in mind, we can't say or agree with Tomlinson and how he says that no one believes that life begins at conception. Interestingly, when I was in midwifery school, my instructors and the majority of my classmates too all believed that no one believes life begins at conception anymore. A lot of the newer medical textbooks have changed some of the terminology in there to say that life begins at implantation, and they try and rephrase what implantation means because that allows for the use and promotion of birth control methods like the morning after pill specifically. So pro-life people will be like, oh, it's okay. Life hasn't begun yet. And unfortunately, this is what's being taught in schools now and in medical schools too. So just so much deceit going on. Yeah. So you mentioned that some people believe that life begins at implantation, but you also quoted a biology textbook Probably not someone who's pro-life, you know, fundamentalist Christian, who clearly says in the textbook that life begins at conception. And here's a few biology textbooks, titles that I got from Scott Klusendorf. He says that they all teach that life begins at conception. The Developing Human, Langman's Embryology, and human embryology and teratology. So all of these, and I'm sure we can multiply the number of them that clearly say that life begins at conception or fertilization as another term for that. And so even a lot of pro-abortionists, as we looked at in the last episode, will admit that life begins at conception and try to make the argument not about life or even about the species, humanity. But I think Tom Tomlinson is confusing because he kind of mutes the strength of his argument, if he had any strength to it, by adding this little twist to it to say that this proves that life doesn't begin at conception. You know, and I think this embarrasses even a lot of pro-abortion activists. So there are several problems with Tomlinson's challenge here. So the first problem is that he is totally wrong about the idea that life does not begin at conception and a thought experiment and how someone would choose between what to save is not a biological test, especially you put them into an awkward spur-of-the-moment decision. You know, how can someone's spur-of-the-moment intuitive emotional decision determined biologically when life begins. So that's one problem. Problem number one, Tomlinson is wrong. Life begins at conception, and it's not just pro-lifers who will tell you this. But before we get into problem two, I'd like to give a shout out to my pal Jake at The Bible, but funnier. Hey there, I'm Jake Doberins, the host of The Bible, but funnier. The Bible, but funnier, is a family-friendly, all-around good time. Each episode retells a Bible story in its ancient setting, while adding a heavy dose of humor and levity, all in less than 15 minutes. 
but the funny storytelling doesn't stop it from being educational. Not only does it occasionally give important cultural facts, but each show ends with a brief lesson from the day's story. It's a great way to listen to the Bible, but funnier. Find us on all major podcast players. A new episode arrives every Monday morning. I can't wait to have you join us. Problem number two is that Tomlinson thinks his challenge is original and creative, but it's really a variation of the trolley problem that originated from the 1970s, and this is in and this is common in a lot of philosophy and social ethics classes. And so the trolley problem is basically the idea that you and four or five other people let's say five people total are in a trolley that is somehow uh, rushing down a track and it's about to go off a cliff or actually crash into something and the impact would kill everyone on board. And so in one scenario, in the first scenario, there is a large (laughs) overweight man standing in the track and next to where the trolley would impact. And so the choice is, there's a lever there, you pull the lever that would end up killing that one man, and it would save the five in the trolley. Or if you don't pull the lever, um, five would be killed, but that one man would be saved. You know, I forget exactly how the mechanics of that all work, but basically your choice is, Do you save the one or the five? And most people would say, yes, pull the lever. It's worth it to somehow accidentally or unintentionally result in killing one person to save five. This is not a test of really fulfilling one's absolute position. It's really to make people think and test your instinctiveness and so even if your choice was really wrong it's really a test of your intuitiveness and your instinctiveness but then the second challenge from this is that the man is not in front of the track and so death of the five in the trolley is almost certain but there's the large man is standing near the track and so you have the opportunity to shove him and intentionally put him in front to kill him to save the five or do you let him live and let the five die and so that changes the dynamics of the question so that in the first scenario you might say sure if if there's an unintentional death to save five that seems like a trade-off that is acceptable but then some people give pause and really have to mull through the choice if they have to do an act of violence or do an action that intentionally without the agreement of this overweight man who would somehow save the trolley from impacting and killing the five shove him against his will there to save the five some people would say well the five would die unintentionally but the one would die intentionally then maybe it's worth letting the five die unintentionally so i don't have the guilt of intentionally killing someone on my conscience for the rest of my life and so the problem with tomlinson's challenge number two is that it's not original it's a variation of the trolley problem that gives you two choices neither of them is ideal 
And the nature of the choices determines how you will decide. And people can agree with each other on the fundamentals, but then on the spur of the moment, take different positions. And so really, that doesn't determine the position based on how someone would act in a very difficult situation with no ideal outcome. So what do you think about that, babe? Yes, I find it interesting how this sci-fi comedian wants to try and create the scenario where you're in a crisis situation. So being in the healthcare environment, and I'm sure police officers and firemen, people on the front line like that would have similar thoughts as well, that when you're in a crisis situation, you're, you're not trying to decide who do I save, who do I not save. You're trying to save as many people as you can. And that is what we call a moral dilemma because you see that all of these people, everyone there has value. And you're trying to save both of them. You're not, like you pointed out, you're not, you're not there with the intention to kill someone. And so I just find it just interesting that he has no medical background or experience trying to put forth this medical uh, scenario and not really understanding just the depth of what a struggle that is for us as health professionals to make those decisions and to try and save everyone involved. And again, that our goal is not to intentionally harm or intentionally kill anyone. Right, Chelsea. And so that brings us then to a third problem. So the first problem was that he thought that his challenge showed that life does not begin at conception and he's biologically wrong. The second is that he thinks his challenge is creative and original when it really is not. So then a third problem is is that his illustration fails to compare to abortion, which is what he thinks his illustration proves that that abortion is okay and that pro-lifers are inconsistent. And so let's compare Tomlinson's burning fertility clinic illustration or thought experiment with the unconscious violinist from the last episode. So the problem with the unconscious violinist from Judith Jarvis Thompson is that the right to refuse care does not equal the right to kill intentionally, which is not what unplugging from the unconscious violinist is. She is confusing the right to refuse with the right to kill intentionally, which is what abortion is. And now, Tomlinson's Burning Fertility Clinic Challenge, he presents a scenario where you have to choose who to rescue and who not to rescue. And not rescuing does not equal intentionally killing. Like, if you're forced into this dilemma in his unrealistic scenario, where you must refuse to save someone, you must choose to save one thing and not something else, this doesn't justify intentionally killing. Like, I would agree with you, Chelsea, I would pick number A, save the crying five-year-old child rather than the thousand human embryos, and we are both 100% pro-life, and we believe that a frozen embryo is a human being with a right to life. Now, choosing to save the five-year-old does not mean you intend to kill the embryos. And so this illustration fails as pretty much 
every illustration fails, every thought experiment fails to compare to abortion because none of them really are like abortion. And basically trying to prove a negative is not the same thing as a positive act with intent to kill. But Tomlinson is confused here. He somehow can't determine the difference between being unable to save someone with intentionally killing them. Now, that's kind of twisted in my thinking, but we'll humor Tomlinson a little bit more with this before we really answer his challenge that shuts down the pro-life position. So, let's look at answers to Tomlinson's challenge because, according to Tomlinson, quote, in 10 years, no one has ever, in all caps, ever answered it honestly, unquote. Well, here you go. If no one has ever answered it honestly, you have two people here, Chelsea and I, who both said A, which he regards as the correct answer. So, we answered it honestly and we give our reasons for it. So, Elijah Thompson of thefetalposition.com has an article in which he addressed it entitled, Tomlinson and the Burning Fertility Clinic, unquote. Now, Elijah Thompson didn't just write an article that Patrick Tomlinson never saw. In this article, Elijah Thompson was relaying his conversation with Tomlinson in which he would challenge he would give the answers, he would change the scenario, and Tomlinson did not seem to like it. You can look at the whole conversation at Elijah Thompson's article, Tomlinson and the Burning Fertility Clinic, at thefetalposition.com, and of course we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Now, Elijah Thompson does leave the profanity that Patrick Tomlinson has in their conversation, so if you can overlook that, you will see a very telling conversation that shows that Tomlinson's claim that no one has ever answered it honestly and are too afraid to answer it is completely and utterly wrong. Now, some articles that have been written that fully address and fully refute this series of tweets. We see Bernie Belvedere in the Washington Examiner with an article entitled, Here's an Honest Answer to That Dumb Twitter Rant on Abortion. (laughs) And he talks about some of the things we mentioned, that this is not original and that the scenario is not realistic and that if you change the choices, it shows that there's fatal flaws in Tomlinson's reasoning that if you pick one, it proves a position about the other. Scott Klusendorf, one of the pro-life apologists that we've mentioned several times, he wrote an article published by DesiringGod.org entitled, What is an Embryo Worth? The Deadly Intuitions Behind Abortion. And so to quote Klusendorf in this article, quote, Right away, Tomlinson is off the rails. You know, I tend to agree with him there. (laughs) But let's continue. The abortion controversy is about whom we may intentionally kill. His thought experiment is about whom we should intentionally save. See the problem? Put simply, how does it follow that because you save one human over others, the ones left behind are not fully human and we may intentionally kill them? 
Suppose I'm in a burning lecture hall with 50 of my students. I can save either my students or my 17-year-old daughter, Emily Rose, who is there as a guest. Whom do I save? If I save my daughter, does it follow that those left behind are not human or that I may shoot them on the way out? Unquote. And then Scott Klusendorf goes on to say that he would definitely save his daughter over the 50 students. And so if you happen to be among them, good luck to you, but he hopes you'd understand that. And of course, I do understand that. That is how a family loves. And so the fatal flaw in Tomlinson's challenge is that if you change the choices Let's say that you change the choice between the five-year-old child and 10 comatose patients who are near death. They're terminally ill with a form of cancer. And so some people, you know, would probably save the sobbing, crying, screaming five-year-old child with a lot left to contribute to the world. Now, we're not getting into the idea of utilitarianism here, but given our intuitions, it's kind of hard to hear a child scream to death as you turn a blind eye to save a bunch of patients who might be able to perish without feeling a thing, and they're not going to be crying, and you're not going to hear their screams in your head, but you might see those eyes of that child screaming and crying and gazing into you, wondering why you didn't save him. And so what we might do on the spur of the moment and our choice to save the child over 10 or 100 comatose patients does not prove that those comatose patients are not alive or they're not human or that their lives are not worth something or equal. Now let's change the scenario between that five-year-old child whom you don't know from Adam and another five-year-old child who is your own child which one would you choose to save and as scott klusendorf pointed out there are family ties there in which you know it is your duty as a parent to prefer your own children over others and so you might pick to save your five-year-old child and leave the other five-year-old child that doesn't mean that the other five-year-old child is not alive or not human or does not have value. And so if we were to ask Mr. Tomlinson that question, if you had to pick someone who is your closest friend or closest family member, someone with whom you are very fond and it would like just wreak havoc on your emotions if that person were to die, and that same five-year-old child there whom was really a stranger to you, which would you pick to save? And if you choose one, does that then mean that the other one does not have value, is not a human, or is even not alive? (laughs) And although Mr. Tomlinson is conceited enough to think that his argument is so bulletproof, even pro-abortion people have criticized him. Let's take, for example, a woman by the name of Carissa Miller, who wrote an article for Medium.com entitled, Why We Lose the Abortion Debate. And she says, quote, Tomlinson's poorly contrived hypothetical, which demonstrates not only an ignorance of the trolley problem, but also avoids, in the most maddening and pathological way, the nuance with which the human mind 
Einstein's moral framework attempts to calculate, even in a split second, the value of one life relative to another. That is to say, if you're in a burning building and you can save a five-year-old child or ten terminally ill patients in critical condition, which would you choose? That sounds familiar, so even this pro-abortion person points out the same response to Mr. Tomlinson's dilemma as someone who's 100% pro-life. And so your choice of whom to rescue does not determine the life or value of the one you do not choose to rescue. I really liked, babe, how you pointed out the different flaws in Tomlinson's argument and just kind of recapping how his whole challenge is totally based on philosophy. It reminds me of Colossians 2 verses 8 where it says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. I just think it's so important as Christians that we look to God's word and his truth for how we live our lives, how we make these moral decisions, and not based on these ridiculous philosophical arguments. And every time I assure you, God's word, his truth is going to shut down these philosophy and these deceitful arguments that the pro-abortion movement wants to present to us. So we know from God's word that human life begins at conception. We know that every life is valuable. And we know that abortion is the intentional killing of that human life. And God says that he hates man that sheds innocent blood in Proverbs. So I think we don't need to take to heart this challenge that Tomlinson presents because it is not even valid. It's totally made up. But we do need to take God's word. And God's word tells us what we need to do and how we view abortion, how we view human life. And um, just one other thought that I was thinking of, too, when you were talking earlier, honey, was that if you think of the familial side of the argument and if you swap out your five-year-old child, if that would be the one that you would pursue to try and save in that situation. Same thing in abortion scenario is that that unborn child inside the mom there is a connection there already, even early on, that the mother's instinctive nature that God gave her is to protect that child. And the abortion, like we mentioned earlier, is going against how God made that woman. And so there is huge turmoil and a lot of problems that ensue after an abortion because the woman is going against how God made her and that emotional bond that she has early on with that child. So just a couple of concluding thoughts that I had from what you shared. Amen, sweetheart. I think we can put the nail in the coffin of Tomlinson's arguments and we can show that we can turn it around on him because, as you mentioned, people can be deceived and spoiled by the philosophies and rudiments of the world if we're not rooted in Christ, who, according to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 1, all the promises of God are in him, yea, and in him, amen. So we can tell 
Patrick Tomlinson that yes, you have been given plenty of solid answers to your faulty and unoriginal challenge, but you refuse to acknowledge them. And now let's turn Patrick's challenge back on him. And as I mentioned, you can change the scenario to where people might even choose not to save that five-year-old child because of family ties. According to Tomlinson's logic, whoever you decide not to save in a situation that says you must leave someone to die is also someone who is either not alive or not human or expendable to the point that ultimately, in his conclusion, you can otherwise intentionally kill, even in positive situations. Now, Mr. Tomlinson, let's say that there's a choice between someone who's a close family member or someone who is of a minority ethnicity. Would he choose to save that close and dear friend over the minority? Whether the minority is healthy or not, maybe if the minority is not healthy, he might choose to save his dear friend. Or if the minority is healthy, maybe for political reasons, he might choose to save that person and not his own dear friend. In either case there, would he be then denying the humanity or the value or the life of the other one? Like, would that other one not be alive? Or then, because he concludes that therefore abortion on demand is acceptable because allegedly life does not begin at conception if you choose to save the five-year-old child over the thousand embryos. But if Mr. Tomlinson were in the situation where we change the choices, we can turn him into the most hideous, racist, fascist, whatever ofo, that we can even conjure up. All we have to do is change the choices into something where he chooses to save one and then the other one, we can say, well, why didn't you choose that one? Do you deny the humanity, the value, or even life of the other one? We can tie Tomlinson into a difficult situation. We can paint him into a corner where we can have him denying the life the humanity, or the value of thousands or millions of people if he chooses one over the other. And so, I would think Mr. Tomlinson should be forced to defend his logic against that ghastly conclusion. And so, I think that Mr. Tomlinson's challenge has been answered, has been refuted according to the consistent pro-life position. And of course, as we mentioned a thought experiment where the terms are forced on you to say that you have to choose to save one and you can't choose to save the other one, you have to leave the other one behind, does not prove the right to intentionally kill the unborn. And we're not talking about a burning fertility clinic here. We're talking about people getting abortions for convenience and they're not put into any difficult situation. But he thinks that this thought experiment allows people to kill other people intentionally. But the pro-life position is ultimately the only consistent position. If you take this thought experiment to its logical conclusion, twisting and changing it, which doesn't change the thought experiment, it just changes the choices, you can prove anything you want from the conclusions of what someone picks. 
and of course that is faulty because we picked A to save the child. It doesn't disprove the pro-life position that all life is valuable and that you don't intentionally kill the unborn. Chelsea, as you mentioned, the Word of God really destroys Tomlinson's argument because all life is valuable regardless of whether we have the power of God to save all lives in any situation or not. The idea is that we value all lives to the ability that we have as fallen human beings without omnipotence to save or preserve every life imaginable. We don't have the power of God to rescue or save every life, but our inclination is toward that because all lives is valuable as human beings, and that is what the pro-life position is, thought experiments notwithstanding. So babe, another verse that came to mind as you were just talking to is Deuteronomy 30 verse 19, where God says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Just remind me of the importance of when God tells us that he gives us that choice to choose life or choose death. And he tells us to choose life because that is what is best for us. And just in these scenarios that why it is so important to be pro-life and how God's word tells us why it's even for our benefit that we choose life. Amen, sweetheart. And so choose life that we may live. And so Mr. Tomlinson thinks that choosing life in his scenario is the same as choosing death for the other one, which is not the case. Uh, The 100% pro-life position is to the best of our ability to choose life for anyone for whom we are able to choose life. And for no one do we intentionally choose death And so, Patrick Tomlinson, you have been answered, and you refuse to acknowledge it, and you will stand before God accountable for your sin and your philosophy and your deception of people. And so, I hope and pray that you will see the truth that God will bring, the truth of life and of the gospel to you and call you to repentance and faith. And so, I hope that you have enjoyed answering this little challenge by Patrick Tomlinson, and that these thought experiments really make us think, but they better us for them. And so, I hope that you look forward to the next episode of Truth Espresso as we continue our discussion on the topic of abortion. Thank you for waking up with Truthspresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truthspresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truthspresso. Truthspresso. 